Welcome to Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. We teach the common wisdom of love and unity that is found in all mainstream religions, metaphysical teachings, mysticism, and inspired secular and religious writers and teachers throughout the ages. Our goal is to help you connect with your higher divine self and transform from the inside out so you can become a force for love and transformation in the world. Each week, we bring you wisdom from our founding spiritual director, Reverend Candace Shalhoub, and other guest speakers. We hope you enjoy this week's words of wisdom. Happy Easter. And this is the day that in most Christian churches, they begin their celebrations by saying, He is risen. And the crowd responds, He is risen risen indeed. Yes, so let's try it. He is risen. risen Right, Jesus is risen. Indeed. And the only proof that you need is sitting right beside you. Or appearing on your screen for those who are watching remotely. Because you know it's true, you always are right next to or are seeing the Christ alive and well because that Christ is in each person. Each person that you see, each person that you think about, each person walking this planet. The Christ, that higher divine self of only love that we all possess since it's what created us, it did not die on a cross. Jesus himself, though he may have died in body, he did not die for our sins. The progressive Christians, of which I used to be a part, they used the crucifixion to point out how an unjust government prosecuted and killed an innocent man for having the temerity to preach love instead of hate. And that's true. But A Course in Miracles calls the crucifixion the last useless journey. Because we're not called to go out there and be crucified. That is a useless journey because it makes the suffering of this world real. And it convinces us that we can die. Jesus' resurrection, his very, his still very real presence in the world in this moment, proves that the Christ within us, that higher divine self, is eternal. But what does that mean for us today? It's a reminder that we can practice resurrection in our own lives in the only moment that matters, and that is right now. Jesus' resurrection reminds us that we are only love. We are created for and from nothing else. Our bodies may have stardust in them, but they house the entire universe. A vastness of love that seeks to be manifested and shared in the world. And the only moment that we can do that is right now. So this moment, jubilance. This is where the resurrection is because this is where eternity lives. And when we practice the resurrection of now, we become, we embody that love that makes the whole world want to say, Oh, yeah. yeah." Hear these wise and holy words. From A Course in Miracles, the CE edition, chapter 19. Here is the holy place of resurrection to which we come again to which we will return until redemption is accomplished and received. Think who your brother is before you would condemn him and offer thanks to God that he is holy and has been given the gift of holiness for you. Join him in gladness and remove all trace of guilt from his disturbed and tortured mind. Let us give redemption to each other and share in it that we may rise as one in resurrection and not separate in death. 
Behold the gift of freedom that I give that I gave the Holy Spirit for both of you. And be you free together as you offer to the Holy Spirit this same gift and giving it receive it of him in return for whatever you gave. He leadeth you and me together that we might meet here in this holy place and make the same decision. Free your brother here as I freed you. Give him the self-same gift and do not look upon him with condemnation of any kind. See him as guiltless as I look on you and overlook the sins he thinks he sees within himself. Offer each other freedom and completely re- complete release from sin here in the garden of seeming agony and death. So will we prepare together the way unto the resurrection of God's Son and let him rise again to glad remembrance of his Father who knows no sin, no death, but only life eternal. From the letters of the Apostle Paul, 1 Corinthians 15:42-44. Our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but they will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, there are also spiritual bodies. And from the Sufi mystic poet Rumi, Out beyond ideas of wrongdoing and rightdoing, there is a field. I will meet you there. When the soul lies down in that grass, the world is too full to talk about. Ideas, language, even the phrase each other doesn't make any sense. Back in 2013, and I'm gonna, I've got Buddhist names to try to say in front of me this morning, so bear with me. <laughs> Back in 2013, uh, Zojin Kenpo Choga Rinpoche wrote to his students, say that three times fast, about the extraordinary passing of his teacher, Lama Karma Rinpoche. After his death, it was reported that Lama Karma's body had shrunk from his original five feet nine inches to about eight inches, reducing in size by nearly 80%. Rinpoche wrote, if his body continues to shrink and totally disappear, this miracle will be categorized as light body or atomless body. This light body can happen gradually or instantaneously, he writes, with or without an eyewitness. Another term for what Rinpoche was describing is a rainbow body. According to Tibetan Buddhist belief, this is what happens to the bodies of those who have, through meditation and other spiritual practices throughout their lives, have attained the supreme accomplishment of the Buddha in this very life. Now, there have been more than 180,000 documented cases of such rainbow body events taking place. One eyewitness in the mid-1990s was was Father Francis Tizo. He saw the death of Buddhist monk Kempo Achos, and after his body was wrapped in burial cloth, the body began to shrink over the passage of seven days. His bones were shrinking. His facial features began to seem younger and younger, and there were rainbows appearing outside of his hut. Angelic voices sang from the ether, and the body began to smell of the most wonderful perfume, according to Tizo, who witnessed this. He's got a whole book about it. The appearance of rainbow bodies has been tracked 
back to the 8th century AD to, this is the hard one, okay, <laughs> Padma Sambhava. Padmasambhava. Padmasambhava. There we go. Say that three times fast. Padmasambhava. <laughs> Padmasambhava was referred to as the second Buddha. It was reported that he survived an execution by fire and then went on to perform many miracles, transforming those he met into protectors of the Dharma or the teachings of the Buddha. It's reported that he did not die, but instead, his students say that they saw him mount a beam of sunlight and soar into the sky amid swirling lights, becoming smaller and smaller until he disappeared. A fantastical sh story, sure. But how is that any more fantastical than a guy named Jesus rising from the grave and walking around visiting his disciples? One of the reasons that I left Christianity, and there are many, <laughs> was the insistence of a literal bodily resurrection of Jesus. Now, I, I believe it truly doesn't matter if he woke up in the tomb, reanimated in his flesh, stretched out the kinks, ugh, threw off the shroud of Turin, <laughs> went outside and scared the women in the garden. I, I don't know. But something did happen that day. That, that I'm sure of. To me, though, the idea of Jesus assuming a rainbow body that makes a lot of sense to me. Some have reported the total disappearance of a body. There you go. We can explain the empty tomb. Others have reported appearances of their teacher after they assumed a rainbow body. They talked with them. They saw them ascend into the sky like Padmasambhava, which could be just what Jesus did, which was reported that he ascended to heaven in front of his disciples. As the Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians, our earthly bodies are planted in the ground when we die, but they will be raised to live forever. Our bodies are buried in brokenness, but they will be raised in glory. They are buried in weakness, but will be raised in strength. They are buried as natural human bodies, but they will be raised as spiritual bodies. For just as there are natural bodies, Paul writes, there are also spiritual bodies. It all fits. It all makes sense to me then that if we are resurrected in bodies at all, they are spiritual bodies, glorified bodies. We have far more contemporary evidence of these spiritual rainbow body occurrences than we do of reanimated dead flesh getting up and walking around and ascending into heaven. That's enough to convince me, but everybody else, you're, you're free to choose. You're free to believe however you wish to believe this morning. Rainbow body or real body, though, I believe what happened to Jesus' body that day is not the true miracle of resurrection. The true miracle of Jesus is not how he died or allegedly got up and walked around. It's how he lived. It's in his life that the miracles occur and the blueprint that he has left for us to follow to achieve what he did. And as he told us while he was here, to achieve even more than he did. Jesus, through his life and teachings, shows us how to practice resurrection, not just here on Easter Sunday, but every moment of our lives. So when we think about great spiritual masters, from Buddha to Jesus and others, we may have an image of them like sitting on a mountaintop and meditating and oh, oh, you know, getting to enlightenment that way. And it's often why we convince ourselves we can never achieve such grandeur, such great, such greatness. You know, we got actual jobs and things to attend to, and we don't have time to sit around and wait for enlightenment like that. The real work of awakening, though, 
It doesn't depend on the hours of meditation or prayer or yoga or any other physical practice. The miracle of awakening is simply a realization of who and what we truly are. We are innocent, beloved children of the holy, and we are nothing but pure light. Like rays of the sun, we are not the sun, but we are an extension of it. We are made of the same light. We take these different forms for a little while and then we are absorbed back into the sun when our form as a being passes away. That's why resurrection or the rainbow body proves that there's truly no death. The ray of sunshine does not die. It just returns to the sun when it no longer physically exists. Just like Obi-Wan Kenobi in Star Wars. When Darth Vader strikes him down with the lightsaber, he doesn't die. He just returns back to the force from which he came. And the best thing is, he became stronger. Just like Jesus. Just like Buddha. Just like Gandalf. Just like Gandalf. See? And Harry Potter. And Harry Potter. <laughs> <laughs> it's a story for the ages. Why, why, are we not, why are we not celebrating Harry Potter's resurrection? Come on. We are. That's it. <laughs> So how did they do this? From Gandalf to Harry to everybody. How did they do it? Well, in bodily form, they're no different than any of the rest of us. But the one thing they realized was that none of us are different from anyone else. Yeah, we all got different backgrounds. We all got different opinions and experiences and worldviews and political beliefs, bodily features. Yeah, right. Okay. We appear different. What Jesus and all the other great masters did, though, was to look beyond all of that past the ego's differences and and sometimes it's often distressing disguises that we use to protect ourselves and it saw the light they saw the light within all of us we were all just these sunbeams walking around so if you want to practice resurrection jubilance today's reading from A Course in Miracles tells you exactly how think who your holy sibling is before you would condemn them And offer thanks to God that they are holy and has been given the gift of holiness for you. Join them in gladness and remove all trace of guilt from their disturbed and tortured mind. Let us give redemption to each other and share it. That we may rise as one in resurrection and not separate in death. Behold the gift of freedom that I gave the Holy Spirit for both of you and be you free together as you offer to the Holy Spirit the same gift and giving it, receive it of him and return in return for what you gave. So the key to practicing resurrection jubilance is to give up everything the ego holds dear. Fear, anger, hatred, grievance, jealousy, competition, judgment, despair, indifference. The difference between us and these great masters is that we still enjoy mucking about here in this world of egoic littleness and pettiness and competition. They gave all of that up simply by not condemning anyone and instead seeing the gift of holiness that everyone before, everyone before them brought to them. They didn't look around the world and see it full of terrible sinners in need of some blood sacrifice. They saw a world of people walking around in the unconsciousness of their egos, in need of a compassionate, holy sibling 
who would hold a vision of true beauty and innocence for them until they could see it for themselves. A course says the message of the crucifixion is for us to teach only love, for that is what you are. The message of the resurrection then is to become that love, to be it. As you see your holy siblings wandering in the darkness of ego, which is what crucifixion is, you vow to teach only love to them, and in return you teach it to yourself. The resurrection then is the moment when you move from simply teaching love to embodying love in everything you do, everything you think, everything you say, every moment of your life until you achieve that glorified rainbow body. Now this to me is better news than one day being promised that I'm going to walk around in this particular flesh suit again. I'm a little tired of this one, you know? I've looked at this one for 50 some odd years now. I want that glorified body. I want to be the body walking around that shines those rainbow colors of love that radiates nothing but peace and joy and love and compassion and caring for everyone I meet, everyone I think about. That's lovely preacher, but how do you do that? Well, I know. I know, because I've talked to some of you. You struggle with this idea of meditation, and you know what? I do too. The instructions of just sitting there and trying to clear your mind of any thought or just trying to label it and let it pass, it can be hard, and I hear you. When this happens, though, we can be sure of one thing. We are trying to meditate with the ego and not with Holy Spirit. Because the ego wants you to do it right. And it berates you when you don't. You suck at this. Why are you doing it? You can tell your meditation partner is wrong in that minute. Because you're meditating with ego and you're trying to get it right. Meditating with the Holy Spirit, though. That brings joy. Because there's no right or wrong way to do it. It can be done in any moment of the day, any time. Whether you're in a crowd or by yourself. You can do it in the grocery store line. You can do it in the Walmart. You can do it when you're doom scrolling on Facebook. Why? When we get into that place where time and eternity kiss, when we get into this present moment right now, it's all we have. There's no past. It's already gone. You know, 11 o'clock is past. It's gone. Get all about it. We're here. We're now. There's no future. We're making it up as we go along. It's a blank slate. We get there by simply paying attention to it, reminding ourselves amid the day's hectic comings and going that Eternity waits patiently for us right now, just to be noticed. This is the field that that Muslim mystic poet Rumi talks about, that's out beyond these egoic ideas of right doing and wrong doing, out out beyond the hustle and the bustle of every day. It can be the peace we feel in an instant, or the peace we encounter in a, a beautiful sunset, in the eyes of the puppy dog, and our partner. It's the moment that all thought stops. In every moment, we can choose to step outside the stream of thought that is always just threatening to sweep us away. I'll tell you, the the moment I get into that no-thought zone is when I'm ringing that bowl down there. I have to bring myself back. Or or you guys are just going to go, okay, she's in a trance, we're out of (laughs) here. Because I'll just be like, woo! It's something about that tone. It just takes me right out of the stream of thought. I'm not thinking anything. And I have this, I have this tinnitus. It's never, it's never um, quiet in my head. It's never silent. 
it's always just ringing and I am learning how to use the perpetual ringing in my ear as a bowl and listen deeply to the ring. It's the same thing. It'll take me right out. I can do it right now and it's just like, yeah, it's cool. I got a, I got a singing bowl in my head. How, how, how lucky am I? <laughs> Blessing and a curse, I guess. You, you do with what you have, right? <laughs> but this is our practice of resurrection jubilance, getting into that gap between the thoughts, working on staying there for as long as possible, noticing those moments of no thought, stepping out of that stream of, of this earthly world into that stream of eternity just as often as we can remember to do it. So how do we do that? We go to that field of unity, with each other where the phrase each other doesn't even make sense anymore. How do we get there? Well, of course, says we ask God to do it for us. You see, this is not something we got to sit and do because that's what the ego wants. I gotta, I'm gonna, it's, it's, it's again, just seek but do not find. You're going to sit down and try to meditate and go, ah! <laughs> and so instead of sitting and meditating with the ego, ask God, ask spirit to meditate with you. Of course, says, God leads you and me together that we might meet here in this holy place and make the same decision. Free your holy sibling here as I freed you. Give them the self-same gift and do not look upon them with condemnation of any kind. See them as guiltless as I look on you and overlook the sins that they think they see within themselves. Offer each other freedom and complete release from sin here in the garden of seeming agony and death. So will we prepare together the way unto the resurrection of God's Son and let him rise again to glad remembrance of God who knows no sin, no death, but only eternal life. The miracle of resurrection, jubilance, is when each of us who live in this world that we created together on a foundation of hatred surrenders all of our hatred and we step into the real world that is created and formed and teeming only with love. That's the miracle Jesus performed. Walking around in some glorified body even pales in comparison to the miracle of transcending a world built on hatred and fear and suffering and despair. But it's the miracle we're called to perform by practicing the resurrection. Giving up our fear. Giving up our anger. Giving up the idea that we're suffering. Because we create that for ourselves. So I invite you, Jubilance, in this moment, step out of the stream of egoic thinking. It will keep you on that relentless treadmill of seek but do not find. Walk out of the tomb. Leave it empty. Let the world wonder where you have disappeared to. We can inhabit a glorified body of rainbow light right here and right now. We can be that beacon of love that shines in every moment because we learn how to touch and channel and embody that love by simply refusing to see those around us as irretrievably broken, recalcitrant, bent on doing evil in the world. I'm telling you, Walmart is your cathedral. <laughs> Go do it in the Walmart. And I'll tell you, the other day, I was in the, I was in the Kroger, and I was pushing the guard around, going, oh, they're right where I need to be. <laughs> and I'm like, breathe deeply. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's the Christ standing in front of the in front of the peanut butter. 
I'm like, Christ needs to move. <laughs> so we're not going to do it perfectly. But I'll tell you, I, I, I lifted my own spirits by like, Christ, you're in front of the peanut butter. <laughs> oh, Christ, is that you? Yeah. Right, and Christ doesn't have a peanut allergy, so. Not like Bruce, this other Christ back here who does. <laughs> but I'm saying, if you can walk around, even in those moments when you forget, make a joke. That's what I did. Christ, you're in front of the peanut butter. <laughs> It'll put you right back in the moment. Put me right back in the present. And I just had to stop and go, ah, oh, here I am. A ray of light amongst all these other rays of light. They don't know it, but I do, so I hold the space. I hold the space. The Course says you got to give whatever's missing. I was missing peace in that moment, so I gave myself some peace. How about that? You can give it to yourself. Piece of peanut butter. Woo! I know. <laughs> so you're not going to do it perfectly. No, none of us will. But once you practice getting in between those, that gap between those thoughts, noticing that place where you can recognize both yourself and everyone else as the radiant light of holy innocence. You get hooked. You want to see that more often. You get excited to go to Kroger or the Walmart. I'm going to see more light. Man, it's going to be great. <laughs> you remember the practice when you're at red lights during meetings. While you're shopping. Pretty soon, like Jesus, you're going to be performing true miracles. Releasing all the barriers to love. So we can flow through you and finally become you. And when you do lay down this earthly body, you'll be remembered by those you leave behind only for the rainbows of love that you showered upon them and the world. This jubilance is what it means to be alive in the world, practicing the resurrection in every moment. It means that everyone you see, everyone you speak to, everyone you think of in any given moment joins you out in that field of love beyond right doing and wrongdoing. And you are out there lounging together in the grass of ultimate peace, where even each other doesn't mean anything anymore. And all you'll know to say is, Oh yeah. oh, yeah. All right. So I wrote this song called Rainbow Bodies. Yeah. And it started off as a... Because all I know how to write are folk songs. <laughs> and then the band got a hold of it. And now it's a rock and roll song. All right. So we're going to rock out on some rainbow bodies here. Ready? See? <laughs> Two, three, four. Wash away our tears The 
Thank you for joining us for Weekly Wisdom from Jubilee Circle. If you enjoyed the program, we hope that you'll support us by leaving a good review of this podcast wherever you download your shows. We also hope you'll support us in other ways, either by becoming a subscriber to our YouTube channel and our weekly newsletter, or by supporting us financially. You can find out how to do all of that by visiting our website at jubileecircle.com. Many thanks to Audio Coffee from Pixabay for supplying our podcast music. Join us again next week, and until then, take the words of Meister Eckhart with you. If the only prayer you ever say is thank you, that will be enough. We thank you for your time and wish you the kind of week that will leave you saying, Oh, yeah.